Hebrews chapter 12, out with the old and in with the new Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, the writer begins in verse 18 and he says, for we have not come to the mountain that uh, that excuse me, that may be touched and that burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest and to the sound of a trumpet and to the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, uh, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But where have we come? But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable a company of angels to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who is registered in heaven to the God, the just, uh, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. It contrasts the way things used to be in the old Testament to the way things are in the new Testament. The, the book of the uh, of of Hebrews, the writer does a magnificent job of taking a a very uh, sometimes complex subject matter about the priest in the Old Testament and the responsibilities of the priest, and it brings it over into a, a relational and a redemptive picture of Jesus being now our high priest. And so the priest in the Old Testament had various responsibilities of offering up sacrifices, of praying, and also serving the people of God. And of course, Jesus is the high priest of the new covenant. He is, he is the one that sacrificed his life for us. He shed his blood for us. He prays for us. Scripture says he ever lives to make intercession for us. And then he's serving us. Jesus is constantly serving us as our good and faithful shepherd. And Jesus is this high priest that the writer of the book of Hebrews is, is bringing into, into our lives. And, and he's using it in a way that we see what a difference Jesus makes. In the Old Testament, things were challenging. I, I mean, it was tough. Sacrifices were offered continually. Uh, the loss of innocent animals' lives, different kinds of offerings and sacrifice had to continually be offered up before the Lord. And uh, But Jesus made one perfect final sacrifice. There needs to be no more sacrifices on humanity's behalf because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. That what's, that's what makes him our faithful high priest, our faithful high priest. And now when it comes to him establishing a new covenant, it's just so wonderful that we have the, you know, uh, the grace and truth that's come to us and, and how he serves us. But consider what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying here in chapter 12. He says, okay, if you were to live under the old covenant, and remember, they're not that far separated at this time in history from the old and the new covenant. So the audience he's talking to really gets and understands that, you know, the Holy Spirit is trying to transition people's way of thinking from a law that they couldn't fulfill 
to a life that Jesus wanted to give them, to, to a law that just condemned us and we, we could never complete it, we could never obey it, to a life that Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. As a matter of fact, Jesus fulfilled the law because we couldn't. And when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, then he brings us over into a brand new way of living. Not under legalism, because Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. But we need to learn how now to serve God and to walk with God and to live for God in an acceptable way. So, all right, let me just give you a quick uh, 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 well, overview, or let me let me share for a few minutes about what it looked like when Moses was called up unto Mount Sinai. When God had called, brought his people out of Egypt and he was taking them to the promised land, there was a, a stop along the way, and it was at Mount Sinai. And it was the mountain of the Lord. And it as a matter of fact, it was it was a place where God designated that he was going to meet with his people and he was going to meet with Moses. And he called Moses up onto the mountain, but he, he told Moses before he called him up, I want you to put a parameter around the edge of this mountain so that no one would come on this mountain. So that only only you and a few select elders and, and I want you to bring Joshua with you. And he went up on this mountain and so. Millions of people, millions of people could not go into the presence of Lord. Millions of people were not not able to go into the presence of the Lord. And from their perspective, when they looked at the mountain, when Moses went up on it, all they could see was fire and smoke and hear thunder. Now, when we see or hear those things, we don't really run towards them. We run away from them. Our, our natural instinct is don't run into fire, run away from it. If it's thundering, where there's thunder, there's lightning, run away from it. Especially if you have a nine iron in your hand, run away from it. You, you, it's not wise to hold up your nine iron and tempt the Lord. Now, Lee Trevino said, if you're in a rainstorm and there's lightning... And then hold up a one iron because God can't even hit a one iron. And so, but just uh, for the golfers in the crowd, you'd get that. All right. So, but, but they, you see smoke, you, you don't run into smoke. So every, from an outward perspective, everyone says, all right, Moses, you go and talk to God and we're not going to talk to him. And that's the way the pattern was. Every time that Moses went up on the mountain Fire would come down, smoke would be around it, lightnings, thunders, and the people would say, we don't want to come that way. All right. In the New Testament, that's not the way it is. In the New Testament, there's no mountain that we have to go to. Now, for those of you that have read your Bible, let me remind you, when Jesus was conversing with the woman at the well, and she was a Samaritan, which means she had some Jewish heritage, but she wasn't completely a Jew. We would say that, you know, her ethnicity, you know, kept her from being embraced by the Hebrew people. She was a Samaritan. But there was some heritage within her that was Jewish. 
And so when she was in talking with Jesus and Jesus was having a conversation with her, he was trying to help her to see he was going to change everything. Everything was about to change because of him. And she said, we know that you Jews, this is where you worship. You worship over on this mountain, but not us. We worship over here. And Jesus said, the day and the time is coming when you're not going to say we're going to worship over here or over here. For God is a spirit and whoever worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus changed everything. He changed the order. He took something that terrified people, that frightened people, that caused people to withdraw and to run away from God. And he changed it to where people could run to God, could be in the presence of God could feel safe in the Father's presence. So God is perfectly holy, perfectly holy. And Jesus made a way through his sacrifice that we could be cleansed from all sin and unrighteousness and come into the presence of a holy God. How? Because he made us righteous. And so now when the writer of the book of Hebrews is is talking to the believers, he's saying, hey, I want you to understand you don't have to be an outside observer. It's out with the old and in with the new. You don't have to be afraid of the Lord anymore. You don't have to withdraw from the Lord. As a matter of fact, you have come into a time, into a season that everybody who understood a Messiah was coming was longing for. And here you are, you get to live in that day. You don't have to wait for Moses to come down and teach The Holy Spirit is going to be your teacher. You you don't have to wait for someone to come down with tablets of the Ten Commandments because I'm going to write my law in your hearts and I'm going to put my love in your hearts. So out with the old and in with the new. So let's let me remind you where we've come into what season we've come into. Verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, but you, you being the personal pronoun, the understood subject matter have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Let's just break this down, each component at a time. So what's the difference between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion? It's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mount Sinai was where God met with Moses in the Old Testament. Mount Zion, that's the church. We're all his people. We're all chosen. We're all priests unto God. We're all the beloved. We're all his sons and daughters. Now, if you would say that to a first century Jew or a Hebrew, their head goes tilt. They say, no, no, no. The priest goes and talks to God for us. The priest offers sacrifices. The priest teaches us the things of God. The priest serves us. And Jesus says, no, I'm changing everything. I'm going to be your priest. I'm going to be your sacrifice. I'm going to be your teacher. Now, even for people that are in the New Testament, sometimes they don't feel like they're worthy to go talk to the Lord. So they have somebody else. Would you pray for me? But they're not sure if God hears their prayers. They're not confident that God accepts them. They don't have the assurance sometimes that they're welcome in the presence of the Lord. And what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying is, hold on. Let's get out out with the old way of thinking and let's get in line with the new way of living. 
out with the legalism, out with the law, out with you trying to keep everything. And why don't you just enter in because of what Jesus has done? Now, here's the thing we have to remember as New Testament believers. Let's not go in loosely or lightly. He's still a holy God. Can I get an amen? It's not like, hey, yo, yo, what's up, Father God? What's happening? Now, if you're a rapper, he doesn't mind if you rap. But what I'm saying is there's a sense of reverence, respect, and awe that we still have for the Lord. We just don't treat it lightly. Even though access has been made, we're coming in a new and living way. Everybody say new and living way. Yeah, even though it's a new and living way, it's still remember the audience. Remember, yes, he's your father, but remember the sacrifice that he gave through his son. We can only come to the father, how? Through the son. No one can come to the father except through the son. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. To where? To everything. To everything that would be new, to everything that would be life-giving, to everything that would break off the bondages of darkness. So, I like Mount Zion better than Mount Sinai. Amen. And then, and then he says this, you've come to the city of the living God. To the city of the living God. People ask, will heaven be real? Heaven will be a functional city, unlike any place that we've ever been. There'll be responsibilities, there'll be a building, there'll be activities, there'll be delegation of authority, because it'll be a place where his kingdom reigns forever. And this is where you've come. You've come into a place with the living God. And you have an audience with the living God. To the heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels. Now, let me share with you how this happens. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You've now begun to converse. You've now come into the company of angels. You've now come into the company of a living God. You've now come into the new Jerusalem. Whenever someone prays on earth, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You're not talking to someone here on the earth. You're talking to someone who hears from heaven. Scripture says, he who has created the ear can hear. He can hear. And it's one of the great attributes about God that causes us to love him and respect him and trust him is that he can hear every conversation that each one of his kids have with him. No matter what the language, he understands it. No matter what the time, he never slumbers or sleeps. And whenever we say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, this is where we're coming. We're coming to Mount Zion. This takes away the harsh, cold, distant aspect of the Old Testament and it puts it right into you have an audience with your Father in heaven. Why? Because Jesus changed everything. He fulfilled the old so he could establish the new. Out with the old, in with the new. There's people that even have grown up in church their whole life that are still concerned if God would accept them or receive them. You said, Pastor, you've already said that. I know, but I need to say it again so that you know that you're accepted among the beloved. That you're his very own 
offspring. He's adopted you. Listen to the language of the New Testament. You're his children. You're his beloved. Yes. And then, and then this is the place that we've come unto. Verse 23, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, who's the firstborn? Jesus, who are registered in heaven. When you said yes to Jesus, do you know that God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life? You were actually put into a book. And there's a book of redemption about your life that's being written from that day forward. And one day, Scripture says, all the seals of these books are going to be open. And everybody's life will lay before the Lord. And that's where He'll reward us. We'll be humbled by that. You go to a wedding or you you know, attend a funeral, and when you come into the lobby, you usually sign a registration book, don't you? But when you said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I accept Him and welcome Him as my Lord and Savior by faith, you and an angel in the lobby, I can imagine a lobby, put your name right in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's there forever. It's there forever. This is where you've come. You've come into this place of acceptance because of Jesus. He is the judge of all. And verse 23, the latter part says, to the spirits of just men made perfect or who are being perfected or being made mature. I love verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Let's break down verse 24 here and then we're going to pray. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, uh, I mean of, of Timothy, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, there's one mediator between God and man. It's just one. It's the man Christ Jesus. What is a mediator? A mediator stands between two parties that are at odds and he endeavors to get them reconciled. He mediates. Jesus is the man in the middle, representing heaven and earth. He can represent us to the Father and the Father to us. He brings us to the Father. He's the only way. There's only one mediator between us and the Father. It's Jesus. Without the mediator, there is no difference. But because he is the mediator, there's a big difference. And then it says... It's just not anybody's blood, but it's his blood that was sprinkled against the mercy seat and the judgment seat of God that allows you and I to come. And his blood speaks what? This is the last one. Better than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood cried out to God. When Cain killed Abel, Abel's blood was spilled in the earth. And scripture says life is in the blood. That's why it commands us not to take another man's life. Because life is in the blood. So in the realm of eternity, in the realm of spirit, in in the realm of the spirit, when Cain killed Abel, Abel's blood spoke to God. And what did it speak of? It spoke of an injustice, of an unrighteous act, 
of an abomination of guilt. What did the blood of Jesus speak of? Forgiveness, mercy, a new life. This is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The blood of Jesus speaks on your behalf. Even though we're guilty, it pronounces us innocent when it touches our heart. It cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. What can do that? Only the blood of Jesus. This is where you and I are invited to come. This is where you come every time, even though you don't see it with your physical eyes. It's what happens every time we humble ourselves and come to the Father in the name of Jesus. Your Father hears you. He welcomes you. You can visit with Him. You can fellowship with Him. You can receive cleansing from Him, renewal, strength. Out with the old, thank God, because of Jesus, we're in the new. This is a new covenant. It's a new way. And this is the way of life and life eternal. This is life in the kingdom. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.